Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Happy Friday, faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the P40 Ministries podcast with your host, Jen. And don't forget, guys, if you ever need to get into contact with me for whatever reason, if you have a prayer request or a question or a concern, please go to www.p40ministries.com slash contact, and you will send me a direct email, which I can then see and respond to. But also, if you want to get some free resources from the website, feel free to do that as well. I have every single podcast episode on the website. And I also have a 30-day Bible reading challenge where it's a calendar with a different reading on it each day. And then you can mark off each day and there's a different activity you can do for each day as well. So if you go to my website, you can get that as well in your inbox when you subscribe. But let's go ahead and start reading the Bible. We are going to be discussing Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 through 31 today. As I always do, I will be reading out the WEB version of the Bible. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. The children of Israel went into the middle of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them, on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the middle of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. In the morning watch, Yahweh looked out on the Egyptian army through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and confused the Egyptian army. He took off their chariot wheels and they drove them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let's flee from the face of Israel for Yahweh fights for them against the Egyptians. Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come again on the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even all of Pharaoh's army that went in after them into the sea. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the middle of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus Yahweh saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work which Yahweh did to the Egyptians, and the people feared Yahweh, and they believed in Yahweh and in his servant Moses. So on Wednesday we discussed how the... Israelites were being surrounded by the Egyptian army. The Egyptians basically changed their minds. Pharaoh got super angry that he let all of his servants go, and uh, he decided to go out against them and basically wage war against them. So the Israelites were terrified when they saw this huge Egyptian army coming after them. They freaked out. They started complaining and whining, as the the Living Bible translation said, and uh, they were upset at Moses for leading them into this landlocked area where there was water on one side of them and um, 
Egyptians on the other side. So they were very upset. Basically, Moses was like, look, like God brought you guys out of Egypt. So you guys don't have to be afraid because he knows what he's doing. He can destroy this Egyptian army. All you have to do is sit back and watch. So at this point, the Egyptians are being so stubborn and they're not allowing, they're just not leaving the Israelite people alone. It's just, <laughs> to me, I just wonder how stubborn can you be to, to know that you would be going up against God when you're going out against his people at this at this point, especially when they had seen all these different plagues and different things that were happening. And it, I mean, this Pharaoh was insane, pretty much. He just didn't care about the lives of his people. I, I don't know. But he really wanted his slaves back. He, he loved the Israelites being in slavery because they were doing all the hard labor. And he just lost most of his workforce that he didn't have to pay. So he's going out against the Israeli people, trying to get them back, basically trying to wage a war against them. So it says here that God told Moses that he was going to do a fantastic miracle and that the people didn't have to be afraid because the people were going to walk on dry ground through this Red Sea. So it says that Moses stretched his hand out over the sea and Yahweh caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all night and he made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. Now, interesting thing about this, this is scientifically proven that waters can recede that drastically in that time period. If there is a constant wind and the waters are a little bit uh, shallower in that area, waters can in fact recede and uh, go to either side. I think that was proven in 1997, I think. You can actually read an article that um, talks about that from, I think it's the Los Angeles Times, where it discusses how scientifically it's been proven that uh, a sea can part if there's enough of a, a wind happening for several hours over the night. So basically, God causes the waters to separate and the people were able to walk through the dry land. Now he protected the Israelites during this time period by basically causing this thick wall of fog over the Egyptian army so that they couldn't even see the Israeli people. So they were kind of stuck in their location. Now, of course, they had no clue what God was going to do for the Hebrew people. And they were probably just thinking, well, when this fog passes, we will go after them then because they've got no place to go. So they're surrounded by the fog and God was giving the Israeli people time to pack up their tents and to get moving again because you remember they were encamped by the sea. So they, they had to uh, take everything they had and put on their traveling clothes again and take up all their tents and everything so that they could continue moving. So for the entire night, God was doing this. He was causing the wind to happen and he was causing the, um, the wall of fog to surround the Egyptian people. So for several hours, this was happening. So the people see that the, the waters start to part and they're walking through on, on, um, on dry land. And uh, now I don't know about the walls, if, <laughs> if that could be scientifically proven, because it does say that there is a wall on either side of the, um, of the people. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt. It was a really cool movie. It was an animated movie that came out a long, long time ago. I was a kid. I remember seeing it in the theaters when it first came out. And I thought it was super nifty, the scene where you could see like the fish 
on either side of the people and the whales and different things. It was really cool. I don't know if they have whales in that region, but <laughs> it just was a really nifty uh, little scene that they did in The Prince of Egypt. But that's kind of how I picture it nowadays because I saw that movie when I was such a young kid that I think of like you can see the fish going past. and But I don't know if it was like that. I don't know if the water was murky or... Who knows? But anyway, they had a wall of water on either side of them and God was causing this wind to allow them to walk on dry ground. So the um, so the people are going through the sea pretty much without, you know, be going through the water because they're walking through on dry ground and the water's on either side of them. So then it says that the fog lifts when morning comes and it says that um, basically the Egyptians follow them. I mean, that's a really, really not smart thing to do. I mean, I, I could be a little bit more harsh with that, but I'm not going to be. <laughs> but that was not very smart of that pharaoh. In fact, this pharaoh does not seem like the smartest guy, but uh, he he follows after the Israeli people, even though he, even though God's presence was causing that thick fog. And all of a sudden he sees the seas parted. How could he have not known that this was God's hand? You know, I mean, how could he have not known? But one way or the other, he goes after the Israeli people with all of his horsemen and everything. So it says that uh, in verse 23, the Egyptians pursued the people and went after into, or I'm sorry, went in after them into the middle of the sea, all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it says, in the morning watch, Yahweh looked at the Egyptian army. So he's like looking at the Egyptians going through the sea. And he he's, his presence is in that giant cloud. And it says that he was looking at them and he ended up confusing the Egyptians. So the Egyptians are getting all confused and all of a sudden their like tires are falling off their chariots and they're just like, what in the world? So it says that they're struggling through the the uh, sea because God was causing all these different confusing things to happen. And they're probably like, what is happening here? So they freak out. The Egyptians are like, okay, there's way too many things happening here that are just not good. And they say, let's get out of here and flee from the face of Israel. So they're like, all right, we got to get out. And they're like, for Yahweh fights for them against us. So they're finally, after all this time, somehow recognizing God's power, finally. And they're just like, okay, we need to get out of here. We have to split because God is, is fighting for the Israeli people. We have to get out of here. So in verse 26, it says that God said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come again onto the Egyptians, onto their chariots and onto their um, horsemen. So it says that God told Moses to perform another miracle. Now, probably the people were already through, I would guess, the sea at this point in time because they had probably maybe a few hours already to cross. And uh, then on top of that, even if they uh, were getting pursued by the Egyptians through the sea, all this confusing stuff was happening and they were not in their right minds and their chariot wheels were falling off. And, and so they were getting kind of stuck in the middle of the sea so they're trying to turn around. So at that point, possibly all the Hebrews are to the other side. So then it says that God tells Moses to once again stretch out his hand. In other words, to um, put his hand out and to put his rod out. And when he does that, the waters will once again uh, come back over the, um, the Egyptian people. 
So God probably caused another wind to happen. That was the opposite way. And um, the water started coming back down over the Egyptian people, the Pharaoh and all of his uh, chariots. But one thing I kind of want to mention is the fact that God uses Moses for all this. Even though God was definitely the one performing this miracle, and God didn't need Moses, he was using Moses to perform this miracle. God often does this. If you look throughout scriptures, God often uses the faith of particular individuals to perform these kinds of miracles. And God uses people as his personal instruments. So he's using Moses as an instrument to perform these miracles, even though God didn't need to do this. He enjoys having our participation, if that makes sense. He, God always wants us to participate. So he's causing Moses to uh, do this miracle and is actively having Moses participate in this particular miracle. So this was probably so cool to Moses, if you think about it, that he got to participate in this such a unique miracle that God was performing here. But it says here, when Moses did this, that the water started coming back down on the Egyptian people. And they were kind of stuck in the middle of it. And so it says here that Yahweh overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. So they were in the middle of all of that. And it was probably deeper in that area as well. They couldn't get out of it. They got stuck in the middle of that sea as the water is starting to rise back up again. So it says that no one was left of the Egyptians. Not one single Egyptian person was left that had chased after the Israeli people. God overthrew that entire army. And it says, but the children of Israel were safe. If you look at that in verse 29, it basically says they were all safe. Every single one of them got past, got through it. And so it says that Yahweh saved Israel on that day. So not even a week after the Israeli people leave Egypt and God saved them at that point. He is now saving them from this wicked Egyptian ruler who refused to leave these people alone. He was messing with God. He was messing with God's people. And it was time for this psychopath to just be done with. So God causes these waters to overtake them and they drowned. It says that the people, the Israeli people saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. So they are finally seeing their captors dead. And this gives them a reason to rejoice because God brought them out of that. Finally, after 400 years of intense slavery, bondage, and the Egyptians killing their sons and doing all sorts of horrific things to these, these people, they finally see an end to it with those Egyptian bodies on the seashore. There's, they see an end to it. That life is no longer a part of them. Everybody who was their enemy is now dead. Their enemies are gone. So this gives the Hebrew people a chance to rejoice because they realize at this point that they are done with that life. That life is no longer a part of them. They are no longer slaves. They are done. So they are seeing the people here. And and one other thing um, is because these were 
these Egyptian people were actually、uh, warriors, it's possible that they were able to take some of those weapons as well with them. But that's just speculation. But it, it's possible that they were able to、uh, take some of those weapons as well, which were probably pretty nice. So it says that Israel saw the great work in which Yahweh did to the Egyptians, and the people feared Yahweh, and they believed in Yahweh and in His servant Moses. So this is accomplished exactly what God knew it would accomplish. The people feared Him. They were like, "Oh my goodness, this is God. This was the work of God." So they feared God, and in other words, they worshipped God. And they believed in God, is what it says. They believed in God, and they also believed at that point in Moses as well. Now, of course, this doesn't last very long, <laughs> as we'll find out in the next、uh, upcoming chapters. That、um, the people do not last very long in their faith; they start to lose their faith. So it was probably more of a spur of the moment thing. That these people were seeing God's power and were like, "Oh my goodness, we need to、uh, worship God as God." But friends, this was the end of Exodus chapter 14. But join me next week, and we will discuss、uh, the beginning of Exodus chapter 15. And all of Exodus 15 is just basically a, a giant worship session. So it's really cool, and it's kind of fun. We'll talk about that on Monday. So join me then at 6 a.m. But friends and faithful listeners, I hope that you have a fantastic weekend. Happy listening, and God bless.